0: visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: CTN CIO Talk Network is brought to you by Redmain and BlackBerry. Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now,
2: here's Gall. Hello, and uh, welcome to CTN. To learn more, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. And uh, today's topic is building endurance for digital transformation. And our guest for today is Julia Davis, who is the Chief Information Officer with Aflac. Hi, Julia. How are you?
3: I'm doing great today.
2: Great, great to have you. And uh, the reason we wanted to have you join us is because of this topic. So we are talking about digital transformation, even in our sleep nowadays. Everyone is trying to go digital. They're trying to do it uh, basically to get better in terms of being able to serve customers or try to operationally improve themselves. There are so many reasons why you should go there. Nothing wrong with it. But what about the journey? We wanted to discuss if this journey is going to be really taking you to the destination without any hiccups, without any gotchas or pitfalls. Perhaps the answer is no. And what do you do at that time? That's going to make or break an initiative related to digital transformation. So so that said, Julia, when you look at the different ways people are trying to introduce digital transformation in their organization... Uh, they can totally go radically creative destruction and try to bring something, or they would bolt on, or they would just build a better mousetrap. What do you think, In no matter which area you go, no, no matter which approach you take, what could be some of the common challenges? Well, you know,
3: it's interesting. At AFLAC, we actually are doing all three of those in in different forms, and different initiatives. We've got a transformation initiative where we're focused on a complete replacement of our core operations platform for our group business. So that's a soup to nuts policy admin claims billing application. And we've got another situation with a bolt-on where we are putting mobile applications on top of our claims platform to enable one-day pay on the phone. That's a bolt-on. And then the incremental operational improvements, we are uh, looking at using robotics to take some very manual processes and automate them. So all three of them are providing us great uh, transformation benefits but they obviously all have their own sets of challenges. And, and one common challenge that I see across all three ways and approaches for doing this is that it's trying to get folks to change how they think about doing work differently. And they have a tendency, if they've been doing it the same way for a long time, they're going to bring that to the equation. And no matter what approach you take, it's very easy to fall back and saying, well, how do I recreate what I currently have? regardless of whether I'm using a new technology, I'm using a bolt-on, or I'm just doing some process efficiency tools. And that's probably the biggest challenge for us, is to get people who have been quite successful uh, doing things the same way for a very long time and saying, okay, there's a different way you can do this. And how do you leverage the technology? How do you take advantage of the tool to really do a, build a better mousetrap? And so, as we go through these three efforts, you know, we've had a lot of lessons learned, and I, I think you've got some, uh, some great challenges you raised today for how do we go about doing that, and definitely want to share that with your audience and give them some insight in some of the things that we've learned as we've gone along all three of these journeys.
2: So with respect to the people challenge, right? I wish uh, the people challenge was the easy, because perhaps people say technology is the easy part, but people is where it tests your metal. It is, um, yeah. So, so to that, when you say people are not as open or not as motivated to change, is it lack of incentive, or inertia, or inability?
3: A lot of times, it is fear of the unknown. I mean, it, it, especially if you've been successful and it, it works, um, it's trying something different, and you get, you can get very easy to get comfortable with how you do things. But the reality is. In the insurance industry, we haven't had to change for a long period of time. Insurance was pretty much the same way it was 60 years ago. But the customer has changed. Their expectations for us have changed. And they've gotten used to working in a digital world and dealing with an Amazon-like experience. And they're expecting that of every interaction and transaction that they have with every one of the businesses that they interact with. And so part of what we have to go through is recognizing that we need to be realistic about what this transformation means, what it's going to mean for both the employee and what it's going to mean for the customer, and being able to adapt and communicate that with folks that we've got to think about things differently. It's no longer just from the perspective of the agent. It's also from the perspective of the policyholder. What is it they're looking for and how they interact with us?
2: So, in in uh, the places where you mentioned um, these people, like you said, there are people challenges, and they are, they have the fear of the unknown. But that's when, that's at the very inception, if you will. Right? People are not even willing to start. But do you think you're somehow able to nudge and push and shepherd them into starting? But that it comes and haunts you.
3: Well, some of the changes that we've had to go through is the reality is. There's always going to be some people that are supportive, early adopters for the change. They, they see the value in it. They're excited by it. But there's also an equal amount of detractors, people that are not interested in it. And then the rest of the group is sitting on the fence. So the key is you've got to get those early adopters to help pull all of those fence sitters over to the other side so that they can see the value in what this does for them. And you've got to be able to work with that culture and get people to understand that change can be good, that there's positive that comes from this. And that's one of the biggest things that we've had to go through is we migrated our approach from the traditional waterfall delivery model. As we go through our transformation efforts, we've moved to an agile approach. And that agile approach has enabled us to be directly involved with the the end user, the customers, both internal and external, understand their pain points and what the real business outcomes are, and then work to make sure that that the team is focused on quick wins, doing things that that might um, see tangible results quickly and then move on to the next one. And we've had some pretty good success, both from an employee engagement perspective, going from about 39% to 79%. And customer sat, from the same thing, we've seen a 40-point increase in our customer sat scores as well. Uh, because it, it's had very positive influence on how the teams work together and view each other. It's no longer throw it over the wall, wait till something comes out, and see it for the first time in UAT.
2: So the way you've explained it is, you were able to get some people uh, who were the mo- like the, the leaders, if you will, in the pack, and they motivated the rest of the crew to get a project or an initiative done.
3: Yeah, now, they started one, with something small and then worked up.
2: Sure. And, and, and totally, that's, that's a great way for, for you to start something and then get that adopted. Now, one of the schools of thought of leadership is that, okay, yes, you will get a bunch of different projects done, but a real leadership or the taste of real leadership is when you build or, or uh, help the people who participated along the way and help them grow and grow in a way that the next time it is less and less painful. Do you think in the journey of digital transformation, you are being given the latitude and the flexibility to say, okay, guys, go get this initiative done, but do make sure that you get the people to change for the better so next time I don't get to hear that you're still facing problems?
3: Uh, Well, I think, you know, along with with every every initiative that you've got, you're going to have some some puts and takes, and you're going to have challenges, and we had a lot of people that were resistant to learning. We brought all these new tools in to help take away some of that manual workload. We were finding all these bottlenecks and saying, look, you can leverage this automation. It will make your job easier, and... What we found is a lot of folks didn't want to make the change. They liked what they were doing. It was what they were comfortable with. And part of it was getting them to try it and, and getting them um, incented to say, look, there's some, some learnings from this. You're going to learn new skill sets, and you're going to get uh, more modernization of what you do and leveraging this tool set. And we had to invest heavily in training as part of that process, is getting people to recognize that it's not going to... Obviously, you're going to have this dropped on your desk and know how to use it immediately. You've got to go through that process of education and learning, and there's incentives for being able to improve your efficiency. We had not really thought of IT previously as, uh, as running it like a business, saying, here are your metrics, here's your benchmarks, here's how you stand out... Here's how you do better, and if you do better, you're going to get uh, bigger bonuses. So we, we tied that whole process together to say we need to set uh, and establish some metrics about how we operate and show that we can do better. And One of the ones that we looked at was to say our, we call it a productivity metric, and the simplest form is how do you calculate how many things you get in divided by the total number of people, um, and that you come up with a metric. When we started out, our metric was about half of what our industry average was, and now we're about three times what the industry average is, three times better. So by setting those benchmarks and putting it directly in their incentive compensation, it made a difference that people now have targets they could strive for.
2: So let's talk about the different uh, ways people perceive any initiative. And so when, when digital transformation-related initiatives start, you definitely want everyone to be out there trying to feel good about what they're part of and uh, that excitement could bring them along but then at the same time since we are talking about organizational endurance which is to be able to uh, be ready for the unpleasant or unpredictable experiences you also have to be like a parent not only motivating but also cautioning them but do you think that that negative that that the life is not doomed but yes it can be scary at times is that well, a I message you can convey?
3: You absolutely have to. I mean, you can't hide behind the fact that, oh, everything's great and perfect and rosy and, and life is going to go on the way you're always it's, you're used to. Because the reality is change can be very scary for people. And unfortunately, a lot of times people associate change and transformation with losing jobs. And the reality is it's not necessarily that you're going to, you know, you have to be upfront with people and tell them, we've messaged this. Jobs are going to go away, but new jobs are getting created as a result of it. And I remind people in the IT department, transformation is only adding work to us. It's not just about taking away work. It's taking away work that's unnecessary or redundant and refocusing it on work that can contribute more to the the company and help the company out. And we we have to be open with folks and be realistic that their world is going to change, and, and it's up to them. To and choose do they want to be on that side of learning and new but if they don't there's still a role for them there's still a business as usual keep the lights on role that's going to exist but they also have to make that choice which path are they going to choose we can't we can't push everybody it has to be a mutual decision.
2: Let's take a quick break, listeners. Uh, We'll be right back and let's talk about technology since this is a technology show. So yeah, we will say that technology is the easiest part when it comes to solving any business problem and that's at least the conventional wisdom. But then in digital transformation, we know we are talking about a newer, latest, and in some cases, untested technology which we want to pilot with. Maybe do a little bit of sandboxing, but eventually want to put in mainstream. What is the... Potential of this newer technology, untested technology, to pull us back and essentially cause those unpleasant experiences, and partly because we may be overconfident. Is that truly the case? Are we really ready for the newer technology? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back.
1: The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network.
0: Visit today.
1: Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow. Today, empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOtalknetwork.com. Now, back to the show.
2: Welcome back listeners. So uh, the question here is that technology for the most part could have been easier for people to tackle and uh, compared to the people and no, no questions about that. But now in case or rather in context of the digital transformation, we are dealing with the newer, latest and greatest, and in some cases, or in many cases, untested technology. So should we still be that confident technologist who could say I can tackle anything? And would that come and haunt us and cause us those unpredictable and unpleasant experiences? How do you safeguard against it, Julia?
3: Um, That absolutely is a real issue. I think the fact that we hear 70% of all transformation initiatives fail, and there's a reason for that. Um, And One of them I have learned through my own experience in another company where we found a technology that we thought would solve the future state for the business and really improve how they ran their operations, and made it a technology transformation initiative led by the IT organization. Unfortunately, when we went through the process, we realized that we were only able to deliver 40% of the current functionality. We added some capabilities that they didn't have, but the fact was we took away so much more than what they currently had with the legacy mainframe platform. And that wasn't going to, no matter what we did, no matter how much effort we poured into it, and believe me, we do, we do or die, that's what we say, <laughs> we did our best to make it happen and try and make it successful. And no matter what we did, we were never going to get above that 70% on that release. Without We would just keep pouring money down uh, a lost trap. And so the lesson learned from that that I took with me to AFLAC is when I came here, I said, we wanted to do transformation, but it can't be led by IT. It has to be something that's led by the business. We need business people engaged in the process, and we need them there every step of the way. And that's been the key to some of our successes, is making sure that this is a joint effort, that IT is enabling the business, that it's, we're, not letting the, we're not letting the technology drive the business outcome, but instead provide and enhance it to what the business direction has been set for. So that, that was really one of the, the takeaways that I would advise people and lessons learned well, for why 70% of all transformations fail, is that it's got to be really driven by the business. The business has to want the change. You can't force it on them by using newest, latest, and greatest technology.
2: So so totally understand and agree with you, and when business drives it, better things happen. Now. The, the question I would like to further ask here is, even the tools and technologies, even though you've got alignment with what the business wants, you get started with it. But since many of the things with that we are trying to do, which are uh, tackling uh, the technology with its latest and greatest form or in, in its morphing form, that we do not have the in-house experience, knowledge. And and the skills to be able to tackle, but we want to go to that that final frontier or the next frontier. Do right. you think we should be cautious even as we are going about executing on such projects and be a healthy skeptic versus being overconfident that oh we can tackle any technology and it's going to work?
3: You know I think I think any uh, plan that you set forth and approach that you need to take is. You can't just assume that you're going to you're going to go out and buy um, or build or or use whatever tools available to you at the moment. You need to really have a solution stack, a strategy for how you go about approaching that. Put a roadmap together saying this is what my stack needs to be. These are the skill sets that I need. These are the the, the tool sets that I want to use, and make sure you're focused on on being able to execute against that. Now the reality is you have to balance it because most projects you, they want to get started, they want to get going you are not going to have your people ramped up in the tools or the technology. You're going to have to leverage relationships with a variety of partners to be able to supplement that. But you have to find that balance. You can't abdicate all of that to your vendors, to your partners. You have to be able to say, okay, this is the the staff. How do I do peer development? And pair my programmer with one of their developers and make sure they're learning the new tools and the new techniques as you go through that process. And have a transition plan for how you migrate away from um, all the work, the new stuff being developed by a partner as opposed to by your own team because you've got to have that right balance. I don't think – I think so oftentimes people get so focused on getting the vendor in to do all the work and then they're not prepared for the transition.
2: So in in terms of the very word endurance, which is part of the topic, we can be only prepared so much, right? So when things go south or they look like they're going to go south – Maybe the survival instinct kicks in and we do certain things, but perhaps it'd be better. Maybe we are not prepared, but we have to have the right approach to be able to handle those unpleasant or unpredictable experiences. Do you think while we are going all gung-ho about the digital transformation, are we also saying that if it does go south and the fact that 70% of the initiatives fail, before they really go down the tubes, could we salvage it or could we uh, pull it back from that uh, deep hole.
3: You, you know, I think that's one of the challenges that with any project is you've got to be able to share the good news along with the bad news. And I think too often IT folks tend to focus on, well, i got to be green for everything. My status has to be um, constantly, uh, everything's great, everything looks rosy, and then all of a sudden at the last minute, just before you're about to go live, you pull the plug and you say, oops, nope, sorry, it, it won't work. That's a common mistake that people make. I I personally have never been on a project that stayed green the entire time. I don't think that happens. I think a reality is you're going to have issues that go in the red. You're going to have problems that you've got to solve for, and you need to prepare the business and the leadership to know that nothing's going to be perfect. There There is no level of perfect when it comes, unfortunately, to projects. And that's part of the messaging that you've got to convey to people, whether it's a problem with the software of the vendor that you purchased, or it's a problem once you implement something and you learn that maybe it, it didn't quite go out the way you needed it to go out You you need to make tweaks and modifications. You've got to be prepared for that and make sure you're messaging that every step of the way. And um, You can never communicate um, enough. We have an expression that uh, our, our CEO likes to use a lot, and that's bad news doesn't get better with age.
2: So when the actual things happen, you inform them. But when you go in there and since you're trying to set expectations, would you say the problem is this is how you would start because that may not be taken in the right light?
3: It's not that you're going to say, oh, nothing's going to work. You're going to go and say, okay, these are some of the challenges that we're facing that we need to work through. These are the risks and this is our mitigation approach. Make sure you, you know you can't have all bases covered, and you have to have some flexibility and certainly some um, adaptability as you go through the process. And it may mean that you're learning as you're going. That's part of the, the approach with agile that we've learned: is if you're going to fail, fail fast and move on. And there, that's a tough to change a culture that's used to doing, taking forever to do everything and everything being perfect. But sometimes it's better to, to try something. It didn't work. Try something else, and so- move on.
2: So would you say the 70% of the digital transformation failing is because when they saw the first signs of failure, they just did not do the job of setting expectations, or rather resetting expectations because things are going south?
3: I think some of it's resetting expectations when it's gone south. I think it's a little late in the process. That's part of the reason why the perception is it's failed. They wait till the point of implementation and then discover, oh, wait, we only got 40% of the functionality. But they knew that all up front. You, you can't wait till that point, and you have to make that call sometimes. And in the, in the case of the other uh, situation that I described in another company, I had to make the tough call and say, "We've got to shut the project down. This isn't we're, we're throwing money away. And it, you know, sometimes that's the answer. If, if you can't make it be successful, you've got to, at some point, say we're done and move on. move on to try something else and do something differently.
2: And what would you say about the complexity which we sometimes very proudly introduce into the system of what we are trying to accomplish because we want to look like heroes that we are really picking on a Herculean task? Yes, would that be attributed we, we, to?
3: We do love being uh, a firefighters, I think. And I, I have pushed to say I'd rather be a fire preventer than a firefighter. Because um, being the hero and stepping in and trying heroic measures inevitably winds up getting you a less than satisfactory product uh, for your customers. And that leads to that customer satisfaction score. For me, when I first got here, being very low, that was universally something I heard from all of my peers. We don't know what all those people do over in that building because we never seem to get anything that we want we ask for. Or we get it and it's two months, two years after the fact and it's too late to use it. That was one of the major drivers we had for transforming within the IT department, is we had to change the culture that it's better to be a preventer. It's better to be a fire preventer than uh, a firefighter. And it was a huge shift for IT. But it's critical to be able to build that relationship back up with your customers so they view you more as an enabler as opposed to an obstacle.
2: So typically, digital transformation initiatives are not like very well defined with a you know bow and tie on it. They come incrementally. They um, they get introduced because we discover certain things as part of doing one initiative to say, hey, how about this, and how about that? It, it it can be called as scope creep, or otherwise it can be called as you are incrementally innovating. When you do that with so many interdependencies do you really have the wherewithal to point out where exactly the problem in and what expectations to set or reset about which element of the project because this is not just one single monolithic project we're talking here
3: no it's usually multiple multiple components
2: <laughs> so so how do you, how do you kind of really say, okay, my whole digital transformation is going on, I've got these three different intertwined projects going on, and this one particular project has this issue, but for that, I'm not sure what's going to happen to the rest. Is that what you say?
3: No, you can't. You, you, you know, the reality is at any point, and we've got multiple initiatives going on as part of our transformation, some are, are doing well, some are having challenges, and some are... In the red, frankly, they have issues that need to be focused on, and that's where the energy and the efforts are in terms of bringing the right resources to bear and say, okay, I need to shift focus to this particular area and and, um, take some resources to help drive through some of the changes there. I need to get the right resources in, uh, or I need to add resources if that's the case, if I can throw resources at it. Sometimes it's not a resourcing issue. Uh, sometimes it's issues outside your, your, your span of control, but it's the messaging that you have to go through with the, the leadership to say, okay, we can do this, and you've got to provide options. You can't say it's well nothing we can do, sorry. You've got to say we can do this, but here's the, the, the limitations, or here's the, the issues that we may be facing, or here's another option. This is what it's going to take. And, and part of that is d- discussing what those options are and being prepared that you have alternative solutions um, to be able to address some of those challenges that you face. Because they're never going to go perfectly. And I think that's a reality that that most leaders know now. Uh, But you also have to be prepared to have solutions, bring solutions to the table. That's what your peers are looking for from you and your leadership is looking for.
2: So, you know, let me draw a parallel and we'll take a quick break here. But let me draw a parallel to a family. When my child annoys me or I annoy my child, if we both of us are overworked, we will fight a lot more or (laughs) we will not solve that problem. But if you are relaxed, coming back from a vacation, perhaps and that to a relaxing one, we might take it in stride and and kind of figure things out. Let's compare this to digital transformation. Leaders taking on way too much, putting way too many projects or that mega uh, project or initiative on their plate and getting their people burnt out as well. And when you do that, when the things really goes south, someone annoying other, like I was telling in a family, or something really not going the way you expected, then we might react differently. So should we think about subtraction and simplification and a relaxed approach to doing digital transformation because could that be the, the, the recipe to building endurance? Let's explore this. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise.
0: Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773 693 3919. Visit today. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network with Gall. Now, back to the show.
2: Welcome back. So, uh, Julia, interesting uh, parallel that I was trying to draw here between families, the way they act when they're coming back from a vacation or they're totally burnt out versus the leaders and the workers in a company. What do you think would be a good way to tackle it? Do we just say, let's do fewer things, but do them better and do them in relaxed fashion? Is this real? Is this reality? Can we do this? Well,
3: sometimes you have to, and, and we faced that very situation when we implemented our one-day pay, one-day claims pay uh, initiative uh, about two years ago. We were we had a multitude of priorities. Actually, we had about twenty number one priorities, and as we all know, you can't have twenty number one priorities. So, when we initially came up with the the estimate for the project, we said it's going to take eighteen months. Well, our CEO wasn't too happy with that. He he said, "Look, I you know this is this is a, a big issue. I see." What what the um, auto companies are doing, saying they can they can get you a quote, you know, in fifteen minutes. I can do it in five minutes. Yada yada yada. We got to go faster. We got, we can't uh, have that capability. Um, wait. And so he said, "What's it going to take?" And so I said to him, "Okay, I need you to shut down all the noise. I need to eliminate the other nineteen number one priorities. I need this to be the only." priority I have I need to lock everybody in a room both business and IT people they can't be working on all these other projects at the same time and I need air cover from the, the claims organization to make sure that all those other priorities can sit and wait until we finish and we can get it done in six months. well we did we managed to get it done in five months um, actually earlier than expected and it made a huge difference in our ability to uh, deliver to our customers which was what our goal was to be able to pay them within one day
2: so so fewer things done better so you applied it so that's great that you could take one priority given by an organization now again coming to the complexity and the variety and the velocity at which these projects or sub projects or initiatives come from all different directions yeah. what all would you block versus what will you would you focus on how does someone figure it out or, or figure out a formula or a magic of subtraction and simplification to build endurance
3: well you know the challenge with with the the building the endurance in the organization because the reality is not only do you have new things going on you still have to keep the business running you still have existing platforms existing technology that probably isn't going to go away for a long time the new stuff comes on it slowly transitions in but you still have to keep things going and you're always going to have pressures coming from your peers Everybody's got a different goal. Everybody's got a different project they want to do, and they all have different number one priorities. So the key for me is to leverage um, our governance process where we sit down as a, a leadership team among all of my peers and say, okay, what really is the true corporate number one priority? And does everybody understand that and know that this is our first focus, this is our second focus, this is our third focus? And work through that. And, you know, unfortunately, it's, it's been a hard lesson for folks to, to have to realize I've got to put my corporate hat on, not my departmental hat, and think about, okay, what really is the, the number one priority for the company? And it helps that I have the executive, uh, my executive leadership support, the president of our organization saying, yes, this is, this is what we're focused on. And it ties directly to our corporate strategic plans and strategic vision. So there's a direct correlation between what our plans are and what our strategy is to what our technology uh, solutions are and our transformation roadmap looks like. Because we can't do it all at the same time. It's just not going to happen. So there has to be a sequence. And there also has to be flexibility, because sometimes things that we planned for three years ago, things change. And if you don't have a a roadmap and strategy that can flex and adapt and adjust – as the market conditions change, as the consumer expectations change, if you don't have that kind of capability, you're going to get left behind.
2: Now, we spoke about the challenges that would come up is because of people not being able to cope up. And if our priorities are looking up to the management or to the shareholder or to the customer, we are somehow unknowingly giving second-level treatment to the very people who make this execution happen. And they become just resources which we are trying to squeeze the last juice out of. And in that process, burn them. And that's the very reason why many companies have this issue about them going south and the law of diminishing returns. Do you think we could do something in your playbook, the way you explained, to introduce the employee first and everyone else second so that when the time comes to build endurance for the things that happen during the digital transformation process, or for that matter, any other initiative, these people are the ones which will save you, uh, save, save, save your back there.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Employees are one of our top priorities, you know, here at Aflac. We, we do things that I've never seen in any other company I've ever worked for in how we um, make sure our employees are treated with the utmost care and respect. It is... It, It is critical that the way these teams work, that they have the opportunity to get that downtime, to get that activities, uh, to get engaged in in, um, a work-life balance. That's something that I have to say I I have not experienced in other organizations, and it's certainly something I know that I try and encourage among my team as well, is to take advantage of the uh, opportunities that AFLAC provides to them and be able to get that mental well-being state, because this is a lot to have to take on, a lot of pressure, a lot of activity, a lot of work. And these are critical resources. We can't do this without our people. We're never going to get there without the people being supportive and being involved and engaged in that process. And and I think that's one of the reasons why our employee engagement scores have also gone up uh, from 39 to 79% is because we recognize that we've got to listen to the voice of the employees. I think when I look at where we were, um, we didn't Take the feedback from the employee engagement score and do something about it. 39 is not a good number. When I saw that, I realized I've got to get the voice of the employee more engaged and find out what we can do to make them feel like they're part of the solution, not the cogs in the solution. And that's made a difference, I think, in how people view their job. You want to make it fun for them to come to work. They've got to like what they do, and this Moving toward the team concept, we found that getting people out of that comfort zone of being in the cube farm and moving more to the team room and, and working with your peers directly, there's more engagement and more enthusiasm about what they do. They're excited to come to work. And we see a marked difference between the teams that have moved toward Agile and the teams that are still uh, in the more traditional model and how they engage with us
2: with what you just suggested definitely warrants that okay a percentage of the company or more and more people should be face to face but the the global trends are going in the other direction where more and more people are becoming virtual so they may not interact pe- with people in that uh, way so how would well, not IBM
3: anywhere.
2: and not Yahoo. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I know we have some exceptions who were otherwise totally virtual, and now they're coming back. So are we saying that if, if the, the endurance has to be built, we have to give them a place where which they can call a workplace which they want to work at, and that's where the rest of the things will take, be taken care of uh, by themselves?
3: Well, you know, one of the things that we learned as part of the engagement is we didn't really have a lot of leadership training. We didn't have a lot of um, expectation setting and performance management training. And a lot of folks, they just didn't they didn't know how to engage and interact with their people. And we had to go through a process to teach them and educate them more on, on what we call Radical candor is an approach that we're taking where we're focusing on how do you communicate to people effectively, not just dictatorial, not just hierarchy, not just you know nice, but not really telling them what really the issue is so that they can work on things. So when we started focusing more on how to engage the employees and how to engage the leadership in their interactions with the employees, that also made a difference in how they respond and how they work with, um, and how they work in that environment.
2: Coming to the, the issues that we know that we are going to face or are facing as part of any digital transformation initiative, we know that there will be some issues, and you've talked about setting expectations. So do we actually always tell them that we are in the state of chaos and or uh, ugliness, if you will, but it is going to get better? To, to what extent will this fly when you're trying to have people deal with unpleasant or unpredictable experiences, including the management and even the people who are working on it, because they would also have concerns.
3: Well, they do. And, and, you know, the challenge is hopefully you're not in that state all the time because nobody's going to believe you when you tell them it's going to get better. Um, y- you want to make sure that you have your, your wins as well as some of your challenges, that you, you have a plan for how you're going to work through those and how you're going to address it. Because, unfortunately, um, anytime. anytime you implement a new system. When we implemented our new CRM solution for our sales organization, uh, for our group business, I can tell you the number one thing, they hated it. They were used to Excel spreadsheets. Well, you go from Excel to CRM dynamics, you know, it's a big change. And part of it was in the messaging and the training that when we, we, we started going under the covers, we realized they needed more training, they needed more hand-holding in how to get, um, get the noise down. It wasn't about the tool wasn't working. It was about how their perception was about it. And that's what we have to focus on is where are the pain points and how do you solve for them? Uh, because otherwise, you will get the noise, will get in the way of what some of the successes might be with your implementation and with your delivery.
2: Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back, and let's talk about the partners, the ones who we truly cannot deliver services to anyone involved, which is including customers or anyone else that we are serving. And partners are their own entity. They have their own priorities. They have their own PL, They have their own vision. How do we bring them to our mothership, if you will, of expectations, of projects, and have them go through the upheavals, the unpredictable events, the unpleasantness, if you will, so that we are working in it together. And what's their incentive? Why should they even bother to live and like go through this rough ride with us? Let's stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore what we can do with the partners so that it becomes one big family working towards success.
0: Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773 693 3919. Visit today. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up?
1: The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. Now, back to the show.
2: Welcome back. So, partners, we cannot live without them because we are in this world where we are externally focused and we want to serve the customer along with all different partners working at the best of their potential. Talking digital transformation, we may do it ourselves, but we may also have our partners join hands who may be different entities who are, in fact, different entities, have their own priorities and visions. How do we bring them to our camp? think about how we are trying to you know satisfy this customer and also endure what unpleasant or unpredictable events we will have in the journey what would it make that happen what incentives we will have to give them Julia
3: Sure. I mean, this is an interesting challenge because it's all well and good that when you're going through your own internal transformation, the fact is you are changing how you relate to your partners and how you interact with them. And for us, um, for example, the work that we're doing on our our group system, what we call our end-to-end system, that replacement process has a lot of hooks and ties to our brokers. And the interaction with how we provide them information and get information from them. And so one of the, the challenges we faced is we kept hearing from our partners that it wasn't easy to do business with us. That drove the need for putting in this new technology so that we could work with them in the way that they want to work, because many of them had been making technology investments in building out their own platform so that they're connected directly to the policyholder. We needed to be able to provide the information that they needed in a timely fashion so that they could connect into their system and vice versa. They could pass it on to our system uh, seamlessly. And that's taken a lot of focus that we have to, to understand they have different priorities than we have. So we may build it, but are they going to come and use it if they're, it's not that high on their priority list? So it's a negotiation that we've got to go through uh, to make sure that we're, we're delivering what they need and that they're able to work with us to integrate and make it, uh, make it seamless so that ultimately we are easy to do business with, not only from a broker perspective, but from the end customer, the policyholder perspective. On the vendor side in IT, that's also a challenge, been a challenge for us from a partner perspective because they may have different methodologies and approaches and how they do things, and they may have um, a different style and a different philosophy about how do they run projects. We have to come to agreement that this is the approach and, and technique that we want to use. This is how we operate. This is our governance process, uh, and be able to work in an environment that will lend itself to that. I, I think one of our biggest challenges has been as we've uh, embraced um, moving into Pega and workflow is getting our partners to peer develop with us because we're essentially asking them to train our people to learn how to use these tools and to get more experience, take their knowledge and experience. And obviously the vendor, they're in the business of making money. And the longer they can stay working on a project – the happier they're going to be. But obviously, from our perspective, we want to get our staff up to speed as quickly as possible so we can self-serve and pay our employees to do the work as opposed to paying twice the rates or more for the contractors to do the work.
2: Would you say that we should have an ideal state blueprint created for digital transformation and we try measuring everything against it and we call an initiative or a sub-project, if you will, a failure or a success because we never created, basically we are measuring against that benchmark. Is that a good way to do it? Or since we are anyway navigating through the haze with so many things, so many new things coming our way, we are better off just going as if we are traveling the path less traveled.
3: Well, you know, the reality is most initiatives are multi-year. They're the most transformation uh, initiatives are many different facets. They're multi-year engagements. And the, the architect that you designed something, the blueprint that you built, doesn't necessarily four years from now turn out to be exactly what you you architected because the reality is there's technology that we haven't even seen yet that may have come into play in two years from now, and it will affect the outcome and the delivery of what the original plan is. I think you you have to go in with a business outcome in mind, what's the target, what's the strategy for doing that, but recognizing that the technology and the approach may change along the way, even while you're in the middle of doing an initiative, you have to be flexible to be able to accommodate that. And you do have to have clear benefits and metrics about it, because the reality is you're not going to get the funding, you're not going to get the investment from your board if you can't show return. There has to be a way to measure that and be able to report it out um, as you go through the process, because people are expecting as you deliver components of the overall transformation, there are going to be clear returns for that. That's the reality of, uh, of being in IT today.
2: Thirty it's seconds, last change. question. Hmm? So, so thirty seconds and last question for you. Who should be responsible for organizational endurance? Is it the business because they gave us the project? Should it be technology and/or business counterparts or the, the the business unit leaders because they own the processes? Because it. The, the initiatives, the digital transformation initiatives impact everyone. It benefits everyone. But who should hold the bag in case there are challenges?
3: Well, you know, I think that's, a, that's an interesting question because the the challenge is we all hold the bag. We're all responsible if we're all signing up for this as leaders. Um You know, Whether it's a business or IT, I I am joined at the hip with the transformation partner who is also a direct report to the the president, and we are joined uh, in this together. It's a joint effort, and we both share the burden and the responsibility of making sure we can uh, transform both the business and IT. It's not just one or the other. It's both that are involved
2: in this. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you, Julia, for taking the time and sharing your insights about how building endurance for a digital transformation. Great. I enjoyed it. Great questions today. Thank you so much again. And listeners, please like us on Facebook, search for CTN, and be sure to follow us on Twitter and join our LinkedIn community. Thank you again for listening to CTN. This is Sanjog All. You talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless.